Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am your host, Tony Serino, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, my rapid reaction to the Steelers' 23-16 win over the Baltimore Ravens. A huge win in Baltimore that puts the Steelers up to 5-2-1 on the season and still atop the AFC North. The Bengals just behind them at 5-3. More importantly, though, this game puts the Ravens at 4-5 and and with a big hole to climb uh, in order to get back into the AFC playoff race. I mean, let's not even talk about the Ravens as being a member of the AFC North picture anymore. Again, with the Steelers at 5-2-1, and one, the Ravens at 4-5, and five, the Steelers are far, far ahead of the Baltimore Ravens at this point. But we're going to break down that game. I want to talk about all aspects offensively, you know, the, the, the efficiency with which the Steelers were able to move the football. And defensively, we've talked about this the last couple weeks, this, this Steeler team continuing to get better defensively week over week. This was a this was a, another good performance by the defense. Uh, again, the, the defensive line really dominating and open things up, opening things up behind them. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Tony Serino. You can find more of this podcast by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, search Locked On Steelers, hit that subscribe button, and you will get your daily dose. You can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. You can find us on Facebook, search Locked On Steelers. You can like the Facebook page or join the Facebook group. And you can now find us on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. And let's start today with some news and notes and really want to break down the injury report coming out of this football game. According to Mike Tomlin in his post-game press conference, there are no major injuries coming out. There are no injuries to speak of coming out of this football game whatsoever, and that's kind of surprising, especially in a game as physical as Steelers-Ravens usually is, and in a football game where Ben Roethlisberger went down, had to leave the field for a play. Juju Smith-Schuster left for a little bit as well. Uh, To hear that those guys are perfectly fine coming out of it, that's very, very good to hear. Again, when Ben went down, Seemed like Ben. It seemed like that was a bad injury. Could have been a collarbone or some sort of shoulder injury. Did he break something? You know, he was down for a while, not moving really. Uh, it, it seemed like a bad injury. Glad to hear that it was just got the wind knocked out of him again. He left for one play and came back in, and he was uh, good down the stretch as well. Uh, Juju got hit in the head. Uh, no concussion protocol for him or anything like that. So he's he came back in and was again he was terrific. We'll talk about that in the rapid reaction as well. But glad to see again the, the only real injury report or the only real injury to talk about coming out of this football game is the same one we had going in, which is right tackle Marcus Gilbert who missed this game. He's the second straight game coming out of the bye week that he's missed. The question is really going to be: Can Marcus Gilbert play on a short week, or are we going to have to go three straight weeks of Matt Filer? Although Matt Filer was great in this football game, as he was against the Cleveland Browns. So the Steelers are a relatively healthy football team right now as we get going here midseason. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on here in news and notes has to do with John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reporting before the game that John Harbaugh would be on the hot seat if they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And of course, the Steelers win that game 23-16. to And so th- this report from Ian Rappaport Kind of crazy. He says, while a midseason coaching change isn't expected, it hasn't been ruled out. A particularly disastrous defeat would send the higher-ups into the bye week with some very real questions and time to ponder their future. So could the Ravens fire John Harbaugh this week and going into their bye week? That's this week. It would it would not shock me because I talked to the Locked on Ravens guys after we got done recording that crossover Wednesday episode last week, and we got to talking about the future of the AFC North and how this this whole division is going to go through some pretty massive upheaval 
across the board, right? The Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger when he retires and Mason Rudolph takes over. You've got Lamar Jackson taking over at some point here in the near future from Joe Flacco. Of course, all the, the craziness in Cleveland. And then it just feels like it's a matter of time in Cincinnati before the Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton era ends. And, and they find some new blood there as well. And so, you know, in the next two or three years, you're going to have all four teams with pretty massive upheaval. But I asked them not just about Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson and the quarterback situation, but about John Harbaugh himself. And, and they were both on the same page here, with, with which was if, if the Ravens don't make the playoffs in 2018, Flacco's gone and probably Har- Harbaugh is gone as well. The, the Ravens haven't made the playoffs since 2014, since they beat the Steelers in that playoff game back in 2014. That, that game was in Heinz Field. That's the last time this team was in the playoffs. Now, it, it feels like the Ravens are always kind of hanging around in the regular season. Doesn't it? it feels like the Ravens are always, you know, they're never a great team, but they're never a terrible team either. They're certainly not a team that's fun to watch uh, as far as, you know, Steeler-Ravens matchups. These games are never fun. They're always kind of nail-biters to the end. But to, to hear that the Ravens hadn't made the playoffs in about five years, that was kind of crazy. And so I understand where the Ravens organization is here. It would be crazy to me, though, to make this change mid-season, but but it does it does throw out the possibility that the Pittsburgh Steelers could be responsible for firing two coaches in the AFC North in the last two weeks. Again, Hugh Jackson let go from the Cleveland Browns just a week ago. Could John Harbaugh be next if the, if the Ravens make that change during their bye week? And if you're going to make a mid-season change, the bye week is the right week to do it. So something to monitor over the next week or two. I think John Harbaugh has been a good coach for the Ravens, but no, you don't make the playoffs for five years, four years, whatever it is. It's uh, it's not a good look. We'll see how the Ravens respond over the next week. Before we get to my rapid reaction, I want to let you guys know about my bookie. Just as important as who you're betting on is who you're betting with, and that's why this season my bookie is your best bet. I use them every week. I had a great week on my bookie. I did my three-team teaser. That cash. I had the Steelers' money line. Forget about the points. I know the Steelers were underdogs this week, three-point underdogs, I think. Forget about the points. I had the Steelers' money line cashed on that as well. If you want to join, they have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. And if you wait until after 7 p.m., they'll give you an additional $25 of free play if you use the promo code LOCKEDON25. So visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you get an additional $25 of free play by using the promo code Locked On25. You play, you win, you get paid. And then let's talk about that win over the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers win 23-16, a huge win in Baltimore. The Steelers avoid the series sweep against the Ravens, and they now take the Ravens out of the picture in the AFC North. The Ravens are 4-5. and five. They've got to worry about their spot in the AFC wildcard picture at this point, with the Steelers being 5-2-1. and one. They are far out of the picture. Much like the win against the Bengals, I thought the score was not necessarily indicative of the play on the field. While this was a close game at the end, a 7-point win for the Steelers, and the Ravens had the ball at the end with a chance to score and potentially send this game into overtime, I thought this was a dominant performance from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's start with the offensive side, where the offensive line has just been outstanding for the past month. Ben has barely been touched in the pocket. He has all day to throw, and he did on Sunday. You combine that with all the weapons that he has at his disposal, 
and you get the efficient offense that was on display on Sunday. Five players with three catches, three or more catches. Uh, Juju leads that charge, seven catches, 78 yards. We talked about using his physicality a couple weeks ago and game planning around his physicality. I like to see that in this game as well. You know, you saw them using his physicality to get easy first downs on slant routes. They can't jam him at the line. He's too physical. And he's so easy to beat press coverage. And the same can be said for Antonio Brown, who's very good at beating press coverage himself. And you saw the Steelers take advantage of that time and time again for easy first downs. This was the old Hank Stram style of matriculate the ball down the field style of offense. There were no real big chunks in this game, save for Jesse's big catch down the sideline. These were long, methodical, matriculate the ball down the field drives. Nine plays, touchdown. Twelve plays, touchdown. Fifteen plays, touchdown. Eleven plays, field goal. I mean, these were efficient drives, converting on third down. Ten of sixteen on third down. These methodical drives dictated the pace of play. Now, the Ravens came out in this game on offense with their own interesting attack, and it was a lot of misdirection, testing the discipline of this Steeler defense. They had some success early doing so. And I'm going to be interested to see if other teams kind of borrow that from the Steelers. You have a lot of of the top teams in this league who have a lot of playmakers who can do a lot of that misdirection. The Patriots love to do it. The Panthers love to do it. We'll we'll see as this season goes on if if more teams are testing the Steelers defense in this way, kind of laterally rather than vertically now. Now the Steelers have had some success uh, testing or, or, or defending the deep ball. But The Ravens had some success early doing that, but the Steelers held them to either punts or field goals. And the Steelers' effectiveness on offense at sustaining drives and finishing with touchdowns. Touchdowns, not field goals. The Steelers had three touchdowns in four red zone appearances. Their red zone efficiency this year is off the charts. It It is night and day from the Todd Haley era. One of the biggest problems with Todd Haley was the Steelers' ineffectiveness in the red zone. That has not been the case in the 2018 season. In fact, it's really been a plus for this offense. And, and this was against, you know, three touchdowns in four red zone appearances, 10 of 16 on third down. This efficiency that we talk about, this was against the quote-unquote best defense in the NFL in their stadium. Now, I, I, again, I, I've been a broken record on, I don't think there is a best defense in the NFL, certainly not in the 2018 NFL. But give the Steelers credit for going out there and, and again, converting those three touchdowns in their four red zone appearances and being very efficient on third down against what is, I guess, the best defense in the NFL. And they jumped out to a 14-3 lead. That meant that the Ravens and all this misdirection and run, run, run wasn't going to be the case as the game wore on. It got the Ravens into a pass-first offense. Flacco had to throw the ball nearly 40 times, 37 passes for Joe Flacco in this game. The Steelers' defensive line continues its impressive play, getting in Joe Flacco's face, making him uncomfortable, especially as the game wore on. The Ravens did have some success in this football game, and they kept it close. As I said, it was a seven-point win that didn't really feel like a seven-point win, and that's because the success the Ravens had in this game was, I mean, it was traditional Joe Flacco, Ravens style of offense, right? Get pass interference calls, throw the ball downfield, get pass interference calls, move the ball, get free yards down the football field. They had four scoring drives in this game. On three of the four scoring drives, they had a big P.I. call on that drive. I mean, is that not the most Raven stat you've ever heard? Of their four scoring drives, three of them, three of them, they were the beneficiaries of P.I. calls. Now, 
I'm not going to argue the P.I. calls. Edmonds didn't get his head turned around. Did he get there a little early? Fine. Same thing can be said for Morgan Burnett. The one on Sensabaugh, whatever. I mean, again, it's the modern NFL where they're going to throw a flag for anything. So, whatever. I just didn't think that they were consistent in some of those. I thought some of those were was face guarding. You saw the Ravens doing that. They weren't calling it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and complain about the, the officiating. We could do that for days. Officiating in the NFL, not great in 2018. But the Steelers... Yeah, look, the Ravens kept themselves in this game through those PI calls, but they were it never felt dangerous. It never felt like the Steelers were were ever going to be tested by the Ravens in this football game. The score was close, sure, but the game was never close. Even when the Ravens got the ball back, twenty three to sixteen, there the only way they were getting back in this game was another PI call that would put them down, you know, in the red zone with a chance to tie the football game up. And even in that way. The game would have gone to overtime, and I felt like if the Steelers got the ball, they would drive right back down and get a field goal or a touchdown to win this football game. The Steelers were clearly the better team on Sunday, and that wasn't the case a month ago when these two teams played last time. I mean, this was such a different game than than what these two teams played a month ago. The Steelers have now asserted themselves atop the AFC North. After big road wins in Cincinnati and now in Baltimore, it finishes up a first half of the year that was all about AFC North football. Five of the first eight games of the Steelers' season were in the AFC North. And the Steelers end those games now 3-1-1, and first place in the division. Not, not a great record for the AFC North. The Steelers were 5-0 and at this point last year in the AFC North. But 3-1-1, and not terrible. And again, they're in first place in the division. So the Steelers kind of put AFC North football behind them now. They only have one game remaining. That'll be the last game of the year against the Cincinnati Bengals. They now enter themselves into the picture of the best teams in the AFC. Are they on the level of the Kansas City Chiefs? Are they on the level of the New England Patriots? Are they on the level of the San Diego Chargers? Right? Those are the best teams in the AFC right now. And that takes us into the second half of the year, which is which if you look at the schedule, it's all about matching up against those top teams, not just in the AFC, but in the NFC as well. And it'll start on Thursday night as the Steelers play the Carolina Panthers, one of the best teams in the NFC. The Chargers are coming to town. The Patriots are coming to town. They got a road matchup against the Saints. We're gonna we're also gonna see the Steelers tested in their discipline as far as an East Coast team going west on a game that they should win. They'll play the Broncos in Denver in a couple weeks. They'll play the Raiders in, in Oakland in, in, about a month and a half from now. Those are big matchups because that's gonna be the Steelers playing down to their opponents. They've got as we talked about, they've got big, big matchups coming up. And they will probably lose or you know get out of those games two and one or one and two or whatever it's going to be. So they got some losses coming up in all likelihood. What they can't afford is in a season like this to lose to Denver or to lose to Oakland or to lose to a team that they are clearly superior then. And they've got some of those games coming up. Again, two weeks from now, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. The Jaguars always play the Steelers tough. This is a revenge game for what happened last year as the Steelers were essentially swept by the Jaguars. And this rivalry goes all the way back to when it was the AFC Central and the Jaguars and Steelers were in the same division, all the way back to the Jaguars when they were an expansion team. And the Jaguars have always played the Steelers tough. But with, with as many tough games on their schedule, the Steelers can't afford to, to be losing stupid games. There, there are still questions about whether the Steelers are a true contender for the title. You look at the power rankings around the national media, you look at the conversation in the national media, it's all about the Rams. It's all about the Saints, the Chiefs, the Patriots. The Chargers get mentioned here and there. The Steelers, they're just a blip right now. They're flying completely under the radar. 
Is this a tier one Super Bowl contender type of team, or are we just a tier two type of team? I talked about this with Matt Williamson on Locked On NFL. You can hear that on the Locked On NFL podcast uh, today. And he and I were talking about this. You know, I do have some concerns right now about where this team fits amongst those tier one teams. When you look at the, the path the Steelers are likely going to have to go on at the end of this year, do they have the offensive firepower and the consistency offensively to put up 30-plus points a game? The 30-plus points a game it's likely going to take to go through the gauntlet of the Chiefs, the Patriots, and then whether it's Rams or Saints in the Super Bowl, right? If you look at if you look at that, you're not going to be those games aren't played in the 20s. If you look at the the top teams when they face each other this year, Chiefs, Patriots. You look at Saints, Saints, Rams, or Saint or uh, Vikings and uh, Vikings and Rams. Right? Those games are not played in the 20s. We're not watching 24 to 21 football games anymore. It's 34 to 31 or 41 to 42 to 35. Those are the kind of games we're seeing. I mean, you saw the Steelers Chiefs earlier this year, 42 to 37. Do the Steelers have what it takes to consistently put up big points? We spent a lot of time early in the year talking about this defense and how poor it was and how much better it had to be. The defense now is playing at a level where I think we're all pretty comfortable with where it is. And I think we've all kind of realized that in today's NFL, I don't want to say defense doesn't matter but offense matters more. And your ability to, to put up big points against bad defenses is going to matter much more at the end of the year than your defense's ability to stop these, these top opponents. You just can't. The Chiefs' offense is too efficient. The Patriots' offense is too efficient. You can go down the line, Rams, Saints, same thing. So the questions about this team at the end of the year are going to be more about their offense's ability to keep up. But they're not going to be questions because, as I said, they're facing the Chargers later this year. They're facing the Patriots later this year. They're facing the Saints. The second half of this year, I mean, we're going to get answers to all of the questions that we're going to ask about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you have to be pleased with where this team is right now. They took care of business in the first half of the year. And as bad as it looked early on, and I talked about it on this podcast, I thought this team was teetering right on the edge of complete and total collapse. We could have been looking at very easily a 5-11 and or 6-10 and type of year, and yet... Here we are after eight games, 5-2-1. and one. Not a perfect start to the year, but you'll take it with where this team was five or six weeks ago. The questions about the defense have been answered for now. Again, their biggest tests are in front of them. Can they can they hold the Panthers? Uh, can they you know can they hold the, the the Saints and the Chargers and the Patriots and all the teams that are in front of them? Offensively, they are exactly the team that we expected to see. A dominant offensive line, a sustained running game. It's through James Conner, not Le'Veon Bell, but Conner has been terrific. He had another 100 yards in this game. 100 yards, 50-plus receiving. I think he had 70 yards receiving in this one. I, James Conner is, he's hes fantastic as a runner, and this was a huge performance. I should have mentioned this earlier when we were doing the, the actual rapid reaction, not wrapping it up, because James Conner, to go into Baltimore and put up another 100-yard performance and another 70 yards uh, through, through the air or as a receiver... This guy, and I, I've been talking about this for the last couple weeks, stop comparing him to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is not playing football right now. Compare James Conner to Todd Gurley. Compare him to Ezekiel Elliott. Compare him to the best running backs in the NFL right now. He's not hes not the best running back in the NFL, but he enters himself into that conversation week after week when he continues to put up performances like this one. This is a special running back in this league, and yes, he's got a great offensive line, but what great running back didn't also come with 
a great offensive line and his ability to make people miss and run through tackles. And that was on display in this game. Again, against the best defense in the NFL, in their stadium. And he ran through tacklers and he got he got his 100 yards. A, a great performance from, from James Conner. And he continues to do it week after week. I know the questions are always going to be there about him, the sustainability. Can he keep doing it week after week? Can he, can he hold up under these amount of hits? So far, so good from James Conner. I love, love what I'm seeing from him. Uh, so anyway, to go back to the point that I was trying to make, I mean, offensively, this is exactly the team we expected to see. The offensive line's been great. James Conner in the running game has been great. And and through the air, it has been the pick-your-poison attack that we've talked about for so many years. And while it's not the Killer B era anymore, AB's having a down year, Le'Veon Bell completely no-showed. Instead, you've got Conner, you've got Juju, and then you've got the plethora of other weapons that that... Ben can pick from, whether it's Vance McDonald or Jesse James or Ryan Switzer or whether it's Justin Hunter or James Washington on the outside. If Ben has that much time to throw, he will find an open receiver. The, the biggest question mark for this football team is can they maintain this? Is is this a football team that is peaking too early? Are they going to fall off during this during this run of, of tough games? Or can they maintain this level of play, be competitive in each of these big football games and get into the playoffs with no question marks about how they match up against these football teams. It's just going to be about going out there and performing on Sundays. Love where this team is right now, 5-2-1. and one. It's uh, it's an exciting time to be a Steeler fan as we move into the second half of the year. It reminds me of the 2008 season when the, the, the mantra was, it's a five-star matchup because we're in it. There are certainly some five-star matchups coming up, and it starts on Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. You can follow me on Twitter at SteelerCountry, and I'll be back tomorrow for more Locked On Steelers.